This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Welcome to the Dogish Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to dog parents and the topics, events, and personalities that are impacting their lives. My name is Jason Arias, uh, founder, co-founder of Forever USA, a dog photography experience for you and the dog who stole your heart. And with me, as always, we have Miss Sylvia West, founder of Dog Up in This Bitch Dog Training. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm a little good. crazed. I've got two big boys in my house right now. Dogs. Um, uh, dogs. Yeah. Right. In my do- in my dog. My dog village farm community that I'm Love that. procuring. Love that. Yes. Love that. Love that. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I've got uh, my coffee in hand and uh, getting ready. Uh, Me to... too. Big coffee. Big, oh, there's big. my camera. Big coffee today. Mine is mine is relatively small, but I've got my dog. You always cup. use the same mug. No, I've got a couple other ones. Oh, okay. I'll bring you I need to get one. a dog mom one so we can I match. All right, we digress. Let's talk about Gina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so today we're going to have uh, Miss Gina Nepp on the show, and she is going to share with us what I think some people at the surface might think is not that excitable of a uh, topic, but dog tags, dog chips. And we are going to go through the um, exciting and emotional roller coaster of the impact that has on our communities and our hearts. And I'm we really dive. excited. We dive deep and full spoiler alert. I do cry. So come with us. Let's talk to Gina. I'm so excited. It's cool. It's really, really cool. All right. Let's jump to that. No, so excited to, to uh, be here with Miss Gina today. Sorry. I've been looking forward to this one like a ton. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, like I said, you've like you've had a major impact on our life and how we see animal welfare and the possibilities and some of the realities behind it. So when you told me that you wanted to talk about um, animal identification today and the impacts that it has, Mm. like, like for me, that's such a, um, it seems kind of minor as a, as a, as a um, hobbyist, animal pet family person <laughs> but like on the other side like i've seen the other impacts that it's had um i, I don't know I, I guess you think like oh it's this this will just make sure that if my dog gets out of the gate my neighbor will know where to bring him back but knowing you it's something that's so much more significant mm. than that Right. So so what's cool about this podcast is that this is your chance to educate us and the world and we can ask questions and just be there's no um, particular motive towards it. So. So, yeah, so that it, it, this is this is yours. And Sylvia is going to ask questions, too. Um, I will I have many. I can't wait to to hear all about it. So tell, like when you're talking about dog ID or cat IDs or animal IDs, like what does that mean? Well, I always say, you know, your, your pet should never go out naked. We certainly don't leave the house without our clothes on. But most of the time we take our driver's license with us, right? Or some right. kind of ID um, and clean underwear. 
Did your mother ever teach you that? <laughs> My mom did used to say that. <laughs> I remember the clean underwear part, but I don't remember the identification part. Right. That's, that's what Go you on. <laughs> I've digressed. Sorry. Hopefully the audience will stay with us on this. Well, now, hold on. Let's talk more about this underwear. I'm just kidding. <laughs> my, my kind of my sole purpose in life now is um, making pet identification synonymous with putting your seatbelt on. Mm. Now I'm old. When I was a little kid, my dad's arm would come across, right? And he'd, mm. you know, right. make sure we didn't go flying into the windshield. But at some point in time in society, right? Seatbelts mm-hmm. became the norm for us. We don't even think about it. We just get in the car and it gets on, right? Mm. I want pet identification to be that, that like breathing in and out. Just it's what we do. And, and yeah, it sounds like a simple concept, right? Right. Uh, Your dog or cat gets lost and someone finds it, your phone number's on it, or got a Mm. microchip, whatever. And and the animal comes back home to you. Right. That's not happening. Otherwise we wouldn't have what 1.8 million animals entering shelters in this country every year. That's such a staggering number. And it used, it used to be worse. I mean, we're doing so much better than we used to do. But seriously, the probably, I would say, I think it's about 60%. It could be higher. Of, let's just talk about dogs entering animal shelters in America. Have a family already. They got a name, a couch. 60%. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. But the redemption rate, that means people being reunited with their dogs, is it about 30% on a national average? So there's a whole slew of animals out there that had to get a new name, a new family, and all of that costs money too. And and maybe our listeners can put it in the perspective of tax dollars. Granted, not all shelters are are, uh, government funded, but the really big ones are. So we're spending our tax money on something that we don't have to be spending it on. And so that was, that was one of the things that was fascinating to me when I got to know Eugenia was some of those numbers. Right. So like what for for the average animal that's coming into uh, a city shelter, what are those typical costs on average? What is it? What does it cost for a shelter or the taxpayer to cover a lost animal? It well, it depends on the budget of the organization. Mm-hmm. Right. And how many animals are coming in. I can speak to, you know, to Sacramento because that's the one I'm most intimately familiar with. Sure. And it, like it's different. The, the cost per animal can be anywhere from 200 to 500 to 800, depending upon, you know, the social economic of the location where the shelter is. But that's still an inordinate amount of money that doesn't need to be spent. We could be doing so much more for animals. Right. Other that's- than and like, mm, like what is a, so, so a tag, are we talking about like chipping or just simply a collar tag? Well, yeah. I, you know, personally, I think both are super yeah. important. Um, granted, I, you know, I work for Michelson Found Animals, which is, you know, known for a microchip, but I don't do sales. That is not my job. But the external tag is super important. I mean, come on, if you're driving down the road and you see a, a dog mm-hmm. that clearly looks a little distressed or confused and you stop to help. If it's got a phone number and digits on the dog, I like to say, you're, sure. what are you going to do? You're going to call the number. You're not going to take an animal control or call an officer, mm. or pick the animal up. Right. 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 It's, it's like, it's so easy. I don't understand why it's so hard. yeah i mean that's the uh, that's when you like bang your head into the wall and you go like where is common sense today i mean i i 
personally feel like it's so lazy too, especially considering all of the, there's so much technology now um, mm -hmm. with dog tags. I went to super zoo um, in 2018 and mm -hmm. they were like, now they have like these smart tags with a QR code yep. and, and GPS tags. And my dog has a whistle collar. So it's like, you know, I just feel like I'm on your side. I don't understand why, IDs are getting lost. And I would love to just know a little bit more from you, you know, w when you think a dog should have an ID, is it just when you're going out for a walk? Should they have it on 24 seven? Like talk to our listeners a little bit about like, what is actually being smart about this? Well, let me jump well, in real quick. Cause that yeah. is a, mm. it's, a, it's a great question, but let's take a quick break mm. okay. and then we'll come back and then we'll talk and answer that question. And we will answer that exact question okay, for you perfect. and everybody else. Cool. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Awesome. Okay, so we're just coming back, and Sylvia was asking a great question on, um, like, when should our pets be wearing uh, these tags? So, what are your, what are your thoughts on that, Miss Gina? Well, personally, I think twenty four seven. You know, I've heard it a million times—not a million, but a lot of times—from a pet owner that's you know stressed and rushes to the shelter. You know, I took the collar off because the tags were making noise and it was bothering. Mm. You know, we hear that a lot. My dogs were playing and they get tangled up in the collars. Um, cats, cats are notorious for not keeping their collars on. That's why I'm a huge advocate of the microchip because it doesn't fall out as long as you keep it currently registered, right? Mm. And, and even the microchip industry has gotten to where it's it is affordable especially in the animal shelter industry um, they've gotten to be very inexpensive and you know like michaelson has that free national registry that anybody can put their tag in which is cool um, but i had a thought going back a little bit why aren't people doing this and mm. when you're talking about large major cities where are the animals coming from they're coming from neighborhoods that are socioeconomically um, depressed right or where there are resource deserts, you know, if you plot out on a map, I mean, maybe you can look at the city you're in and plot out where all the vets are and where all the pet stores are, the big box ones, and you'll see that their locale isn't in those neighborhoods that need them the most. Mm. So I think making um, these things affordable and easily accessible to people, and that's our responsibility in animal welfare. You know, shelters are now going out, literally doing rabies or not rabies, um, microchip clinics. And they take their little um, generator with them and they're printing out the tags. I mean, the cost of the product is not untenable, but it is if you if you don't have a job, it is if you've got three kids to feed. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And so we need to look at it from a societal perspective on, on how we can make it better. Well, I think that's where you see that that shift. Like you talked about, the the average animal intake costs coming into a shelter being, you know, starting two hundred dollars and varying from there. But if we were to reverse those costs, how many animals would we be able to identify for two hundred dollars? Right. Well, in Sacramento, which is it was really interesting. So from two thousand and twelve through two thousand and eighteen, we gave away free ID tags to anybody that wanted one. Mm -hmm. And our microchips were either free or five dollars with a lifetime wow. registration, right? And we even incentivized licensing by offering those things and a rabies vaccine to get people to come in. And in two thousand and twelve, I think it was 
13% of the animals coming in arrived with some form of identification. And at the end of that study period, it was 40% of the animals were coming in with identification. So I knew, I felt strongly that those efforts we made, that spending on the front end saved us on the back end. And we calculated the cost savings on that, and it was $700,000 a year. Wow. Yeah, huge. Right. That's a big number. Just it's huge for one. You know, and this is where I I love this because it's it's small, small solutions, small steps that equal big progress, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that, you know, when we sit down and we're thinking of having this topic about we're just going to talk about dog ID. Yeah. (laughs) And it seems like such a simple concept. But the reality is, is like this is changing shelter systems. By the way, I ran those numbers that you gave us earlier. And if that 60 percent number is right, that's over a million dogs. Over a million dogs are coming into the shelters with families, with homes, just with no ID. And I mean, that's staggering. That truly breaks my heart. Right. Well, and two, rhetorically for our audience, pretend, I'm presuming that people on this call have pets, um, their little furry family. Think about your own, where you live. And all of a sudden, I don't know, the gardener leaves the gate open and Fido is gone. Do you even know where to look? Mm. Who's your, where is your animal going to go if it's picked up by animal control? Most people don't know that. And, and it's not their fault. It's the fault of animal sheltering for not further and more greatly communicating how the system works, where your animal goes. And, you know, mm. and the other thing is, how long are they going to hold on to your animal um, before they get the legal right to dispose of it in any way they wish? You know, and granted, euthanasia is down dramatically in the United States, which is awesome. But in most states in the United States, it's three to five days. So wow. if, if you're in Tahiti on vacation and your house sitter's a loser and doesn't do anything for those three days, your dog could be adopted or a rescue can snatch it up or, you know, God forbid, it could be euthanized. And, and again, people don't know that. So hopefully having these conversations will help inform um, because nobody wants to lose their animal, right? No. no one. It's a terrible feeling. I mean, that just bowls me over. I'm literally stunned right now. Um I would have never thought of it that way. So I guess, can you break that down for our listeners? Like, what should they do? I'm in Tahiti. I'm going to just use your example. I'm in Tahiti. I'm on vacation. My house sitter's a loser. Where, and they call, they text me and they're like, oh no, so-and-so got out. What, what are my steps? I, obviously I need to call a family friend at this point. Uh, <laughs> Get out of my house. My, pets, my house sitter needs to just leave. But so I call my best friend um, or my sister and I say, okay, here's what we need to do. What do I do? Well, you should identify the shelters in the area in which you live. And usually there's more than one. Okay. So usually three, sometimes like Chicago area has 12. So, I mean, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you file a lost animal report with those shelters. And some shelters have that available electronically. And some are still in the dark ages where you literally go in and fill out a piece of paper. Um, you put a post-it, a post up on next door. That's one of the most beautiful platforms for pet uh-huh. reunification. You can, re- you should register your animal with Finding Rover. That's facial recognition technology. And it's super easy. They'll put a little picture of your dog. You register your dog in Finding Rover and you mark it as lost. And that the system, which is connected to a number of animal shelters in the United States, starts scanning the photos, the intake photos, and will literally match. It's, it's mind blowing. 
I have I the chills. I literally have the chills. I did not know that these resources existed. I mean, granted, I have only lost my dog one time, and this was 10 years ago, and she, like, snuck out of my building, and I had an ID tag on her, and somebody called me as I was, like, emaciated on the floor sobbing because my baby was gone. I was like, it's gone. It's midnight. I'm on the phone with my mom, you know. Um, but, I mean, this is technology. has just afforded us so much information. And so I guess, like, if you... On the flip side of that, okay, now I've found a lost dog. What are my steps? How do I utilize these resources, these amazing tools that apparently exist? Jason, did you know about these? I had no idea about no, these. No, no. And, and that's what's like so fascinating to me about this. Like we live in the the animal community every day, mm. right? And I and I think what's kind of sad is that too many times we find out about these options because we're put in the situation, mm. right? Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, my dog is missing. That, wait a second, there's facial ID that if I would have set this up beforehand, I could have saved all of this stress. And I, I'm like, it's, actually and, and flabbergasted. Oh, wait, I mean, there's totally more. There's pet FBI. Uh, check that out on the Internet. There's I mean, Dogs of America has, you know, Facebook is an amazing um, platform for pet reunification. Craigslist immediately posts. I lost my dog on Craigslist. There's all the local Facebook pages that people have in their communities mm-hmm. and their neighborhoods. Every city has lost and found dogs and cats. Just wow. Google it. Yeah. So, and, and what there is, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel because there's just Mm. too much. Right. And people Mm. don't know what to do. Uh, There is a a large animal welfare organization in the United States, and I won't dive into that too deeply, but that are working on the mothership of all platforms that Mm. all of these other things will feed into. Cause you know, you're frantic if you've lost your animal and you know, how it's, it's, you're almost stupid. Yeah. Like I just remember. stunned. And, but wouldn't it be amazing if when you go to the vet for whatever, your checkup or your shots or what have you, that the vet provides every pet family with here are all the things you do when if you were to lose your animal. These are the shelters in our area. Mm. What a service that would be. Right. And they don't do that. And it's maybe no one's ever thought of it. But I'm going to write to the American Veterinary Association. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, how do we just thought this? of it? <laughs> Doggish podcast, inspiring, right. <laughs> inspiring people to make change. No, I love this. I feel so fired up. You know, I just feel like, yeah, why? Why isn't this available? I I and I feel embarrassed for saying this as like an animal welfare advocate and like pet expert. But I don't know where my local shelters are. Like, I know where there are shelters in Los Angeles, but I could not tell you where my closest shelter is. I could tell you where my closest vet is. And I've definitely found dogs in my area and taken them to my local vet to get scanned for a chip. Um, And luckily it was their local vet, too. So I think that's another resource, too. Like Not just your local shelters, but your local vets. If you find a dog in your neighborhood, chances are they may go to that vet. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, well, it's um, actually, oh, I have some, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah no, no, I, so, and I have some uh, questions on the technology side of things that will tie back into the vet, but let's take another mm. quick break, okay? And then, and then I, I have a specific question about uh, chips. Mm. Cool, okay, quick break. Gina, what a million dollar topic. I know it sounded so boring, didn't it? Did you roll your eyes when he said it? No, I mean, absolutely not. I was like, this sounds 
fascinating. I don't know where this is going to go, but this is I'm literally my mind is exploding right now with information. Good. I'm literally looking up pet FBI on my phone. <laughs> like if you see me looking down, it's because I'm Googling it. I, you said 60%. I'm like running the numbers furiously. And you know um, what the FBI stands for is found by found internet. Found by internet. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so cute. I love it. But you know, it's it's super powerful. Yeah. There's a paw boost. That's another great one that I've been okay, working okay. with them actually. Let's save this for the podcast. Yeah, no, the, okay. this is, we'll put all this on the podcast anyways, but. Yeah, we'll uh, put it in the links. Okay, so so here was my question and um, it, this might even still be a under- misunderstanding that I had from when I mm. get, because when we went on the, uh, the Rescue Heroes road tour, uh, mm-hmm. Front Street chipped our animals for us. And I remember having the conversation, well, you want to, you want to register here. Like there's a particular chip that the whole nation uses versus there's another chip that certain groups use. I don't know if that still holds true. That was almost two years ago. Mm. Like, uh, there's so many different microchip vendors out there. I think what makes the chip that we used at Front Street and, and the company I now work for found animals is it's a free registry. So and lots of them have hidden costs, like an annual fee, or if you're mm-hmm. going to change your address or phone number, there's all these, it's it just, it's difficult on so the who, industry. Okay. Um, uh, who is paying those costs? So the, 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 the owner, the animal owner is supposed to, or yes, the animal owner is, okay. is, is eating those costs. And thus why people don't update their registration when they move or get a new phone number. I, mm-hmm. I think that's the beauty of Michelson found animals is they disrupted the microchip industry. Mm-hmm bringing prices way down and, and doing what is best for the animal for both ends of the leash. So uh, Jason, do you know what your dog's microchips number microchip numbers are? No. And, and I think that's part of this whole conversation. I have like, I have it in a like, file. They've got tags and yeah, and we've got it on the files and stuff like that. And I think I know where that file is. I'm pretty sure we brought it in from the RV after we got done with the road trip. And I, you, I'm pretty oh. sure it's in the safe. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's knowing where that date where that paperwork is is super important because mm-hmm. if your animal is microchipped mm-hmm. and you have the file, you can immediately go to the registry and report it the animal is being missing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's right. flagged. That way if someone finds your two thousand dollar pure red dog, right, and does has no intention of bringing it back to you, mm-hmm. they can't attempt to update the chip. Right. Right. Because there are nefarious people in the world. More people oh, yeah. are good. More people are good. But a lot of animals that are found by private parties are, are kept. Um, you know, they look for a couple days or what have you, and then they have a new pet. Mm. But the, 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 the information on the chip, it's kind of like a VIN on your car, right? Think of it that way. Right. It's an identification number that ties you to that animal. And, and as awful as it sounds, animal is property in the United States. Mm. So that's one surefire way to prove that that animal is yours. And not mm. somebody else's. So, yeah, knowing where that information is is super important. I think yeah, that it's, just, oh, it's something okay. we deal with so unfrequently. Like we're not mm-hmm. like I don't. Uh, my dogs. No one plans on losing their yeah. dog. Yeah. Uh, the 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 couple times that that uh, my dogs have gotten out, they've let me know that they've gotten out by coming back to the front door at some point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but like. Other than that, like our dogs have never gotten out. They've never ran away. And it's not because there have been a lack of mistakes. It's when they have gotten out, we've noticed and we've had to chase right. them down to the park or whatever it is. So like, it's not a something like a routine that we go through. And when mm-hmm. you don't have those routines to go through, you don't even know how to build the routine of what to do. It's hard to mentally figure that. Like we can, 
in some ways we can think of like, oh, what if, if the house catches fire, what should we do? We pull everybody together. We go out, we do there. We have our meeting place. Mentally, you can figure that out. But just on this, we've already talked about uh, here in Reno, it's easy because we really just have Nevada Humane Society. There's not going to be a bunch of different places that they go. But places like Chicago and San Francisco and these major Philadelphia and all these other places. Los Angeles. Yeah. Yes. There's so many different places like, okay, so now I don't, I don't know where my animal would go. I don't know how long my animal would be there. And hopefully I know where my paperwork is. If I have that paperwork, if it has like they, they have their collar on, like, like there's all of these things that it's hard to run through that system, which for Mm -hmm. me, when we did chip the dogs, that's why I wanted to make sure like a, which one is going to give me the greatest chance of reuniting with my family while uh. still not having to be a scientist about how all of this works. Right. Mm. Uh, it's an ID tag and a chip. Those are the two things yeah. that I really advocate for. Um, oh, I was going to tell you something. I know, you know, Bobby Mann, who yeah, yeah, I worked with course. forever. We still work together now, but he had this brilliant idea, which kind of took off a little bit this year, but I, I see it becoming a thing in the future. You know, daylight savings time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You got to set your clock. You got to check your, you know, carbon monoxide batteries and what have you. Mm-hmm. It should be stray light savings time. So twice a year, pet owners are reminded let me look at the tag and make sure it's still legible. It's still, you know, current. And mm. let me make sure the microchip um, registration information shouldn't have been updated. I mean, wow. Twice a year. Imagine we, if that became, we should you know, totally just of, launch that as a campaign dude, right? internally. Like we can get that marketing out. We're just ideas are flying. No. And you know what, while you were talking, Jason, I just, I totally, and this, this conversation has really inspired me in an educational level so much because as a dog trainer, as a pet professional in the industry, I'm constantly communicating with pet parents about different topics. I'm huge. I'm like a nafty for safety. So I'm like, does your dog have a car seat? Does your dog have a crash tested harness? Does your dog have the right food? You know? And so I, I would love to create, and I'll work with you on this, like a resource on my website. We could do it on the forever website. on just like, what are the steps you take? Like just really clear for pet owners. Like step one, I have check it. your local shelters, check two, check pet FBI, like all of these resources that exist, just, just if they could, you know, just list them out. Um, I just feel so empowered right now to help people prepare for something. You know, it's like we all buy earthquake well, I live in California, so not we all, but here in California, <laughs> we buy earthquake kits, you know, to have mm-hmm. in case of an emergency. But like, I don't have a plan, an evacuation plan in case my dog gets lost. I just don't own that, you know? Well, I can actually, after the call, I will email um, Jason and both of you actually, and can send you what to do if I lost my dog, what to do if I lost my mm. found a dog. And we'll this, put, and I, we'll I always say notes. dog, but it's yeah. synonymous. You know, mm-hmm. how to find a cat is very different than how to find a dog too because cat behavior is not dog behavior no okay so walk us through some of those steps like uh like um Mm -hmm. i woke up in the morning and i realized that my gate was blown open by the wind last night and my animals are missing okay yep so Um, what what are what are our steps in let's say even just a like more of a major city let's pretend that my animals are wearing tags and they're currently registered with their microchips okay Okay. Mm -hmm. i will notify my veterinarian of record 
because a lot of times people will take an animal to the vet. And as Sylvia said, it's probably going to be, you know, it may be your vet. I would file a lost animal report with all of the local shelters within a 25 mile radius of where I live, at least 25 miles. I will post um, that my animal is missing on next door with photographs and, and potentially even offer a reward for return. Mm. I'll post on Craigslist. I'll register. I'll um, notify Finding Rover that the animals are lost. I will um, probably post on Pet FBI and all of my local Facebook pages. I mean, those are the things that I would, you know, that that's where you start. And then you you get outside and you start walking around the neighborhood and you mm-hmm. talk to the UPS guy or the Amazon driver. They're they know your neighborhood. The garbage mm-hmm. man, they all or the garbage woman, they all know mm-hmm. the people in the neighborhood they serve and the animals that live there because they don't want to get bit. The mail, the postal carrier, you let them know. Little mm-hmm. kids, tell the little kids on their bikes. And the nosy old lady, or it could be the nosy old man, that's the kind of the mayor of the street, right? right. You let them know. Mm. You put signs up. And you don't just put signs up on one block. You know, mm. dogs can go really, really far, much farther than cats can. But this is super interesting. We've been studying um, across the country, and, and uh, um, Dallas has done a beautiful job with this, how far an animal really went from their place of origin before being picked up. And what do you think it is? What dog or cat? Dog. Okay, I'm going to take a guess, and then Jason, you take a guess. I'm going to guess three miles. Yeah, I was going to guess like five. A thousand feet. Oh, so not far at all. Not far at all. Mm-mm. Not far at all. Granted, there's you know unusual circumstances, but the preliminary data is showing that they're literally in their own neighborhoods when someone finds them and thinks you know they're in dire trouble, or an animal control officer scoops them up. They're that close. Wow, I know. I and also, crazy. like, shout out to the dog lovers in my neighborhood who are scooping my dog up within a thousand feet. You know what I mean? Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. You know, there's a real shift, too, in starting to rely on our community to help us help mm-hmm. animal welfare do a better job at getting pets back home and preventing them from entering the shelter to begin with. Right. That's as, as hard as, as sheltering tries to be, you know, a wonderful place. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. it's still concrete and stainless steel. And, you know, nobody wants their pet to go there. I mean, I would hope that if my animal ended up in an animal shelter, they're going to do all the right things and I'm going to immediately get a phone call. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't always happen. Yeah. And accidents happen too. Like I'll just share when I worked at a rescue uh, for two years, we had a big facility in downtown LA. We actually had a dog that came into our facility and we, she was found. We scanned her for a microchip. She didn't have one. Um, She ended up getting adopted. She was with us for like a month. And then when she, we discovered she had a microchip, it had migrated to Mm -hmm. the tip of her tail which we didn't scan. We didn't think to scan the tip of her tail. We scanned Mm. where a microchip should be found. And then we actually got her reunited with her owner. But at this point she was already in a foster for like a foster to adopt situation. She'd Mm -hmm. been with us for two months. So like these things do happen, you know? So I think like all of these resources that you've helped us with just help to kind of like cut down on these sort of like room for error episodes. So we do have to take a quick break, but I, I have a question for you when we get back about your opinions on the shift in society and in our communities towards animal welfare and really becoming animal people. So I want to talk to you about that when we get back from the break. 
All right, Gina. So earlier you had mentioned kind of like this idea of the community getting involved in animal welfare. And for me personally, and I want to talk to you, get your opinion. I've noticed just a major shift in the way in which our society thinks about animal welfare and animals in general. And they're really becoming less like property, even though they technically are and more like members of our family. How do you what do you see and how do you see that shift reflected in what you do? Well, there's uh, I'm on the executive committee for a project called Human Animal Social Services. It's the Haas project. They're coming on the show, too, by the way. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Love that. So it's a complete reimagining of animal sheltering where there is a strong connection between the community and the shelter because so for a hundred years, right, we've been scooping up animals and locking them in cages. Um, and we realized COVID actually helped us get to there to this point that that's not where animals belong. Mm. And if we, if we open our doors and our minds and engage with our community, they're the best resource, not us, right? Mm. Animals are better off in foster homes than they are locked up in a kennel. Mm-hmm. Um helping people not lose their pet to begin with, right? Or knowing what to do if an animal becomes lost. Mm. All of these kind of, it, it's like, it's not rocket science. It's not that hard. But but if we imagine if we did all of these things successfully, maybe animal sheltering will not go out of business, but only the animals, there's a dog. Only the animals that, Only the animals that truly need to be there will enter the system, right? Mm. And, and not the others. You know, and like you said, you know, bad things happen. Bad things happen to good people. And I I don't know, just the entire shift in the industry, you know, Americans spent, the data's not out for 2020 um, because that was such a weird year anyway. But I think in 2019, and I could be, could be higher than this. Americans spent 70 billion, 70 B billion dollars on animals. Mm -hmm. You know, every other house or every other apartment has an animal in it in America. They are part of our family. I mean, if you look at how much money people spend on their animals, they're important to us. Mm. And, you know, animals went from, you know, from the, the yard to the couch to the bed over the <laughs> last, you know, since, you know, if you look if the 50s sounds like a long time ago, but some of us were alive then. I wasn't. Um, but but animals, you weren't don't sleeping look in bed. <laughs> animals weren't sleeping in bed with us. No, um, they weren't going on vacation with us. We weren't putting them in a carrier and taking them on an airplane on with an us airplane, everywhere we yeah. go. I mean, the shift, you know, you talked about booster seats and halters and all these things that we have for pets. It, it's a complete shift. And yeah. it, I think it's magical. I can't wait till the law changes um, and that we can turn, lose the term property. Because um, mm. I think I do think they're part of the family. But Agreed. I yeah, I can't. I can't wait either. No, you did, and it made me so emotional. So sorry that I'm crying. But oh. um, no, I think it's. I just think it's so beautiful, and it's. You know, I find it so moving to see just kind of like, you know, as a trainer who advocates for positive reinforcement, to just kind of seeing the shift in the way people are choosing to educate their animals is showing me how much like we this is it we are a village and we are raising them together and the Mm -hmm. idea is shifting and the fact that there are people out there inventing (laughs) facial recognition websites for lost pets that is powerful that is so powerful yeah i'm that's i think that's going to be one of the first things i go do i I haven't signed up and you said that's rover right finding rover and it actually works better on cats it was, you know, it was created for dogs. And you just take a 
facial photo. You got to get the mm-hmm. eyeballs in the nose. Um, when I was at the shelter, we had this, I don't know, fundraising thing. And I slept in the kennel all night long, long story. But the staff thought it would be really funny to make a kennel card for me. So they found one of my photos and they literally put me in the computer system and the software as a lost animal in the cage. So the next day after the event was over, um, they basically returned to to owner returned me to my husband in the computer and he got a notification. I mean, it works really well. Your, you know, your animal is at the front street animal shelter. And then when they outcomed me, Oh, congratulations. Your animal was found. (laughs) (laughs) I will will one day need to hear the story about how you ended up sleeping in a kennel all night. (laughs) This This will need to happen. Okay. Not much sleep happened, let me tell you. Is there anything major that you really want to kind of share with the public, whether it's people who own animals or people who are trying to reunite animals or vets, like like that you want to get out there because of this passion? Well, I mean, it's I, I guess don't delay. It's like when you get in the car, you're not going to drive five miles before your seatbelt before you put your seatbelt mm-hmm. on. Today, if you're listening check your tags, check your chip registration. If you haven't done those things, start with one thing. And and the ID tag is relatively inexpensive. I think, uh, you know, it should be a lot less expensive than it is, but it's, it's Amazon, Amazon Amazon.com. I mean, I've gotten custom tags, even ones that are no noise ones that Mm -hmm. go directly on the car, $4. (laughs) Well, I had one on my dog where the phone number was actually stitched into the collar. You know, there, there's lots of things. And if you so can't afford, options. if you can't afford any of that, go buy a cheap, like lime yellow collar and get a, a, a marquee pen and write your phone number on the collar. I mean, there are lots of ways to do this without dollar store expense. We want all animals, regardless of what kind of a neighborhood they may be living in mm. or the socioeconomic status of the family to, to stay together. Um, everybody deserves the love of an animal. I don't care how rich or how poor you are, what color you are, None of that matters. What matters is maintaining the human animal bond. And this is something that helps us continue to do that. I think the other thing too, um, just real quick is figure out where your shelter is Mm. and understand Mm -hmm. the difference between uh, rescues, shelters, sanctuaries, all of those kind of humane um, societies. Yeah. All of those. We, um, again, that was a huge learning experience for me that rescues are not shelters like, and, um, shelters sometimes work with the city, but they're like different municipalities. Like, I, I don't want to mess up the the, the lingo here, but um, so for example, here in Reno, um, animal control services will come and get the animals, but then they transfer them to Nevada Humane Society. Correct. Again, I, I'm, I'm mm. loosely working with the information that I'm aware of. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's how it is. And, and I think Front Street worked somewhat similar to that as well. Front Street was Front Street was specifically the shelter for the city of Sacramento, but there was the Sacramento SPCA, right? And unless they have a contract for a city to take in stray animals, many of the humane societies and SPCAs don't take in strays. They'll only transfer from other shelters once the stray hold is finished. Mm-hmm. So it can be very confusing. And Jason, you're right. Know, know, know your town. 
and where to look first and, and the simple things like where's your dog or cat's records. Um, you know, it's, it's those tiny little things that make a huge difference. And here's a crazy idea too. Like if you're listening and you feel like I feel right now, just completely motivated to like, advocate. I'm like, I need to set up dog tag clinics. I'm like, my mind is going crazy right now, <laughs> but um, like a really simple thing you could do is go to your local shelter, get some flyers or some information pamphlets and then take them to your local vet because people may go to their vet and be like oh i had no you know it's like you can also be empowered to educate your community um so local shelters always have business cards or information cards or phone numbers Mm -hmm. you know you could just create simple flyers and print them out and drop them off at your local vets and be like hey i'm really trying to help educate my community and what to do if their dog is lost and so i wanted to just give you here are five local shelters to your vet in case someone Someone comes in here with a found dog or looking for a lost dog, you know, more resources instead of just posting their picture up in your office, which helps, but also like here to ha- help people be proactive um, yeah. and maybe list some of those sites as well as resources. And this may be another call, but I, I want, I want to make sure that I share this information. A new trend in the country that we're seeing is shelters are arming local fire stations with scanners so that because there's fire stations like every three or four miles in most Mm -hmm. towns right so stay tuned for that i think that's going to be kind of a a a new thing and uh another great way to keep animals out of the shelter can i just say i love that like this image of now like orphan children at a fire station is turning into orphan dogs at a fire station i'm just (laughs) i mean as a as a dog mom i feel so seen right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Well, this has been an absolute blast, Gina. So amazing. Thank yes, you so call. much for joining us. I uh, I have a uh, a dog dad joke that we, we end our show oh, with, boy. with dog dad jokes. Jenny, you better uh, buckle up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like some of them are pretty good. I'm just like, if this doesn't work out, I'm probably going to go on tour with these. All right, you guys. You guys, <laughs> you guys ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all ever be. <laughs> what's, what's, what's a dog's favorite breakfast? Pooched eggs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cute. That's cute. I have to remember that. They're like, you know, hashtag dog dad jokes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gina, thank you so, so much for all of your amazing ideas and time. And just honestly, I I feel so spirited and so motivated and so activated in a way that I haven't felt in animal welfare in some time. So I, I appreciate the passion that you brought to us today on a, on a very personal level. Yeah, and we'll cool. definitely have Gina back on again. Like there's so many, like this was the tip of the iceberg of talk. Oh, I can talk about all sorts of craziness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So. I can I can listen to it. <laughs> I just want to take a quick moment to uh, thank Gina Nep for coming on board and for all of you for listening with us today. Any uh, products or websites that we discussed today will be linked in the uh, in the notes below and in the show notes on this one's going to be actually pretty important because we're going to mm-hmm. list um what to do a lot of if those you resources. lose your dogs right so yeah. the the step-by-step that gina went over with us it's all going to be in those show notes today yes and and listed at the doggish podcast.com and probably on my site dog up in this bitch.com too and probably the forever site because we're really fired up about what we talked about today so um please make sure that you are checking us out on social media um for a real life look 
behind the scenes at Jason and I. You can find Jason at Jason with an E and me at Dog Up in This Pitch. Also, be sure to check out Forever USA and uh, and obviously Michaelson Found Animals. Um, if there is a topic personality that you would love to see on our show or something that you're fired up to talk about, tell us. We will find them and we will have them on. But until next time, we will we will see you then next week, next Tuesday. Tune in. Hugs, everybody. Talk oh, and if oh. you're not already subscribed, oh yeah, yeah, you should be. Come on, guys, click that button. Get with it. <laughs>